I am so delighted to have as a guest today, author William John Rostron. Bill Rostron is the author of the Band in the Wind trilogy and just released The Other Side of the Wind. The Other Side of the Wind is not part of the trilogy, but if you've read it before, you're going to love it. And our author writes, in 1968, she went search in, in search of America. America didn't want to be found. After personal disaster ends all her hopes and dreams in New York, Maria Romano sets out alone in search of a new life. Her quest for meaning takes her through numerous adventures and misadventures that create a lifetime of both beautiful and haunting memories. It is a journey that takes her from the blues clubs and political turmoil of 1968 Chicago to the music scene of San Francisco and the madness of Las Vegas. Now, in her later years, she must reconcile what it all meant in order to move on. Her past has finally caught up with her with a vengeance. By the best-selling author of the Band in the Wind trilogy, which includes Band in the Wind, Sound of Redemption, and Brotherhood of Forever. Written as a standalone novel, The Other Side of the Wind may be read enjoyably either before or after that series of novels. Please welcome author William John Rostron. So thrilled to have you here. Thrilled to be here. Absolutely. And uh, I love that this is, you know, same character as the trilogy, but not necessarily dependent. Tell me a little how you decided to write this book. Well, it, it was interesting because um, I wrote the trilogy, which actually the first two books I had been thinking about my entire life writing. And I like to think of my genre as biographical fiction because I, I, I base things on things I've seen, done and know of. And then I make a fictional outcome that could have been my life, I guess, and and so on. So the first two story, the first two books were very successful. I thought mm, that's it. You know, there's no more to say in that story. Not that I'm done writing, but there's no more to say there. And then my wife says to me, she says, you know, uh, you could do. And there's a character in the first two books called DJ Spinelli who was one of the few characters who lives through most of the books. Um, and he is a friend of the main character who in the first two books, something happens to. So his, the third book was a, uh, his quest to find out what happened. Um, what I, at this point, I, I was looking for some kind of challenge. So most of that third book is written in the second person. He's talking to Johnny, who's now gone. At the beginning, he's gone a month. By the end of the book, he's gone 30 years. And he's still talking to them and saying, you know, you left me, and but I'm going to find you and so on. And, and so that story happened. When I finished, I said, now I'm definitely done. Well, for those who, and again, this is two ways I have to tell the story. For people who have read the trilogy and people who haven't, uh, in the trilogy, the main character, Johnny Sip, has to run away from where he lives um, and which is one of the main themes of the book. And in doing so, he leaves behind the girl he loves, Maria Romano. When I wrote, was in the middle of the second book, I was recounting what happened to all the characters that got left behind by this Johnny. Because Johnny told the first two, told the story in the first two books. 
So I said, so I, I want to tell that story. And it worked out very well. I had about 30 pages about Maria Romano, the person that he left. Editor said, no, this book is moving much faster and in a different direction. You don't have time to do 30 pages about what happened to her. Cut out 25 of the pages and moved on. Well, when I'm done with the third book, my wife goes, I go, oh, now I'm really done. She goes, why don't you tell the story of Maria? Because you know very little about her except that she got left behind. So I sat down and I started writing it. And then um, it it really came, it really came to pass because, um, as you know, uh, my wife and I have traveled the country. We've been to every state in our motorhome and We've been to places, we go to very unusual places besides the common places. Well, I said, well, if Maria heads out in this country, she can run into all kinds of things. And I have that information right in my head about it. So I tied it into the other books in that she is a character. And at the beginning, it's sort of the story that intertwines um, with the first three books. And in the end, it's, it sort of intertwines, but really it's the story of what she did. And she heads out first tentatively to be looking for Johnny. She thinks, oh, he loves music so much. He'll go to Chicago for the blues scene. So she goes there, but she becomes very involved and has, and in Chicago, besides the blues scene, she's there with the democratic riots and she's involved in politics then with a group of friends, they take across the country and they and then I I had worked in all the places that I had been like, you know, we had been to a, uh, a sunflower field that was hundreds of acres large of sunflowers that was seven feet tall. I worked that into the story. We went to Little Bighorn. I worked that into the story um, because it's not just her. She's traveling with a group of people. And one of them is half Lakota Sioux. So when they start going to all these places where there were conflicts between, he has conflicts with one of the other characters who's from Minnesota and is Nordic um, descent friendly, but they have discussions about what happened. But that's just, that's just like the first chapter, the first parts. And there's seven, nine parts. But that's just to give you an idea. And, that, and that's how it started. My wife said, well, you could do the story of Maria Romano. The fun part is, she said, I don't think you can write from a woman's point of view. Ooh, there's because, a challenge. Because she's telling the story. Right, right. In, in, in my first three books, it would alternate a char- chapter, first person, and then third person. And then in the last book, it was second person and third person. And I, said, I wrote this book 100% in first person from Maria's point of view. And and did your wife think you nailed it? She read the first 100 pages. <laughs> I think you did it. I didn't think you could, but I think you did it. <laughs> After all these years, how, how many years are you married, Bill? 50 years last April. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah. So after 50 years, you're still surprising her. Yes, I am. <laughs> that's what i'm hearing after 50 years you're still not only you're still surprising her you're still impressing her and that's not easy after 50 years i'm sure oh people go to us how do you like because 
some of the times we went cross country, we'd drive for 12 hours straight. In fact, our best record was we drove from Pittsburgh to Denver in one day. Oh my, I see that map behind you. Right, right. That's, and, that's quite the map behind you. Wow. That's yes. Amazing. And people said, well, how do, you, how do you do it without driving each other crazy? We put on a book, we put on music, we look at scenery, we talk a little and Although that that dead end in the middle of uh, is that South Dakota with a dead end? That's in it? that's um, Mount Rushmore. Okay, but you we actually turned around and came back. What we actually did was we said, "What do we want?" Well, what do we want to see? Mm-hmm. And we also had we were going to see every major league baseball park. Have you seen every so, major league baseball? Every single one. Yes, we did that by two thousand eleven. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it was very hard to schedule because they had to be in the city and we had to be passing through the right, city. Right. At the t- which that's how we ended up going from Pittsburgh to Denver. And, and gotcha. Oh, to see a game. They, they were leaving town and wouldn't be back while we were still. So is she the baseball fan you are? Or is this a you thing? Yes, she is. Oh well, thank yeah. goodness for that. The only conflict is is that we both root for the Yankees and Mets when they play each other. I favor the Yankees. She favors the Mets, and it's a little ugly. All right, so she's got better chance than you. What can I say? <laughs> oh, but our kids gave us for our fiftieth anniversary. They rented a luxury box at City Field. Oh, we had seventeen family and friends in you know the food and the drinks and the. And the if they could stuff. get it, could have gotten that for a Subway Series game. That's uh, that would have been uh, yeah. Also, probably cost prohibitive. Well, Seven years ago, they did it for my 65th oh, birthday. Okay. They did it at Yankee Stadium. Oh, nice. Okay, so yes. they flip-flop. I get that. Yes. I the only thing that. is, is my grandkids think that's what it's like when you go to every ball game. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're going to be really surprised when they go to... No, that's not what it's really like when you go to... That's home. not what it's really like. Oh, my gosh. I, so I love that it was it was your wife's decision to write this book. Yes. You rose to the occasion. You... Yes, she even for a short period of time thought she might write it with me, but she's got too many things going on too. So, and, and we didn't want to break up this fifty-year marriage by trying. Right. <laughs> that would have done it. <laughs> All those trips cross country didn't do it. Writing a book, no, but writing the book would have. <laughs> I, I could totally see that. I I love that. You know, I always hear from from novelists that there was a character. That, you know, sometimes it's in the course of the novel that you thought it was going to be this bit player. And next thing you know, they got a, their whole scene. They had a whole thing. Your bit player got their own book. Right. Because, I mean, in reality, uh, my wife and I have known each other since we were 14 years old. So we knew each other eight years before we got married for 50 years. Wow. So um, a lot of the scenes... Actually, the the first like 10 pages of the book actually happened to the two of us. Um, but it, 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 my first book, Band in the Wind, I have it here somewhere. Well, I have that. Anyway, <laughs> Band in the Wind was the first half of the book was written almost as a biography. Uh, of course, I made whatever wasn't really interesting was, and I took some of the characters and they were combinations of people I knew. But it was a true story uh, up until a certain point. Right, right. Well, it is the story. The first book is the story <laughs> of a, a young man. And, and all my books take place in Southeast Queens 
of a young man who wants to get out of this crime and violence and everything. And he wants to get out of it because he's met Maria. And so he's going to do it. He's either going to do it with sports or college, but he really wants to do it with music. So he takes some chances and one of those chances backfires on him. And, uh, and in reality, those things happened. Uh, it's funny. The first interview I, when I did it like three years ago, I tried not to say it, <laughs> but, in the book, <laughs> but in the book, uh, the band ends up in trouble and four of the five members get killed and the main character, Johnny, has to run away because he knows he's next. Um, that actually happened. Not that they got killed, but I was in a band and, and the place we were at got raided. And I was off the side of the stage. And um, because I was on the side of the stage, four policemen came in to raid because we were underage. Oh. And because we were underage... Uh, we were in a competition for a job that was a record contract and working three times a week forever. So it was financially, we were set for life. Well, at least from our point of view. <laughs> and when the other band lost, they went and called the police because they overheard someone say we were underage. The police came in. There were four police and five in the band. They all grabbed someone. I turned around and go, didn't grab me. Now, I was shaving from when I was 12 years old. So I looked much older. I went and sat at the bar with a drink. And I may believe, I, well, I never saw the four members of the band again. That's the true part of the story. Oh my gosh. I never saw them because a week later, I was feeling really guilty that they were all in trouble because the, the place we were playing was owned by the mob. So I was feeling really guilty about this happening. And I was on a date with Maria, who is my wife, Marilyn. <laughs> and I saw in a very distant, we walk in a park, there were like three people beating up a kid. And I said, he's on the floor and they're just kicking. I got to stop them, which was a stupid thing to do. But I, but stupid. 40 years of, self-analyzation i was feeling guilty for what happened the week before i run in there p.s i get them out but i end up in the hospital for like two or three weeks well by the time i come out i'm calling the guys in the band and the parents gone uh they don't want to talk to you they can't talk to you because they were protecting me because they never found out i was in the band gotcha so i let it go i said okay i'll keep my distance next thing i know they're all gone one who was my closest friend who in the book is called the character Geo, he literally moved to Florida. Oh my oh, God. Ran away. Right, right, right. Okay. Uh, two others, I have no idea what happened. In fact, all of them, I never knew what happened. So I said for like 30 years, I kept making imagining, well, what happened to Florida? I can't find them anywhere. I, I, I mean, I moved away, went to college and, and I kept saying, what happened to them? That's where the book came from. I made up an imaginary story of what happened to the four of them. I love that. And, and you know what I love? Uh, so often I'm speaking to people who, one of two things. One is that they say, um, I don't know what to write about. And, you know, the old adage is, write what you know. You are like a classic case of 
write what you know and you right. know it so well and it shows on every single page of the book that you know what you're talking about because you lived it you're writing you're writing from what you know but but the other thing i'm hearing when you're talking i have people who will come to me and they 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 kind of like want to write their their story but they're kind of torn with whether they want to put it in the form of a memoir and i've spoken abstractly about fictionalizing their story which is what i did you start with your story and now you get to decide how it turns out biographical fiction exactly exactly i i should i should put your your books here as like when people come to me and they say how do i do this read these books and then here's his number call him up I will tell you, uh, I will tell you that I wrote these books. And as I started, I said, well, I started with the concept of what happened to the four of them. And I actually wrote the middle of the book, the part where they get raided and everything like that. And I said, okay, now I got to have a beginning and I got to have an ending. And I, I mean, I'm talking 20 years in my head, it's playing. And then I got very sick in 2011 and, um, I was recuperating and they told me to do a lot of walking. So while I was walking, I was listening to in iPods. I was listening to music and I love sixties, classic British invasion, garage band stuff. Cause that's how old I am. That old. <laughs> um, and uh, as I, every time I heard a song, I'd say, gee, you know, that song makes me think of a plot thing that could happen. And I'd come back from walking and I'd write two or three pages. Mm-hmm. And I'd entitle it with the song right, right. that happened. Well, by the time I finished, a year later, I had close to 400 songs and 400 of these little tidbits. And it was almost like putting pieces of puzzles together. I put them in an order and they made a great story. But I had written them in three page, put them all together. My book was 900 words. I said, <laughs> no, I don't want to read a 900 page book. So my daughter did some cutting. I did some cutting. And then, as you know, it became, they became two books. And I cut out 60,000 words. And it ended up being two very, two very reasonably sized books. Um, but each... Each part of the book, like every three or four pages, is a title because it is the main character, Johnny Sip, is telling, it's his diary. Mm. And so he's telling it, he's entitled every chapter with the song title. And um, I, I mean, I'm actually talking about the first book instead of last book, but it does lead to it. The book starts that this journal where he's written all these little quips about what happened in 23 years of his life is found on a beach in Key West, Mm -hmm. laying there on the shore. And the person who finds it knows him. And he knows that the last thing makes it sound like he's in the water. Mm -hmm. And then it flashes back to each one of his diary. um, And he won't call it a diary. He, He... he has an argument with a friend. I can't call it a diary. That's for little girls. So I call it a journal. And each one of his di- ju- journal entries is three pages long, 
has the title of a song and the title of the song has to do with what part of his journey he's at. That was a very, that was like a, a seven year quest to put these all in order. When I did, when I did the uh, third book, his friend knows that he's done this because the third book, they start to find tapes of, that the band made. And because um, the drummer in the group had been given, had been given like cases of tapes by an uncle that he got somewhere free, they tape everything. And they never remember to turn it off before or after they finished playing a song. So their conversations of what this band that is now all gone are in the tapes. And the friend who's looking for them is listening to the tapes. And it's bringing you back to the first two books and the first two characters and the first five characters. And it brings you back to them. Well, in the fourth book, the, which again, I have to emphasize and this is very this is very important for anyone who's watching this who is a writer. I went to a workshop once and they said there's good and bad about writing a trilogy. The good is that boy if they like your first book they're going to read your second and third. The bad is they could love your first book and still not read your second and third. So therefore you've run read these two books that are going to get nowhere near the sales that the first book gets. And I, I, you know, I've spoken to you recently that I've had a really good campaign of Facebook ads and I found my niche of people who really, really love my books. Um, and the thing is, is that even with these people and my sales of the first book have gone through the roof. And though I'm only putting an ad for the first book, I'm getting ads for the second. I'm getting a lot of sales of second and third. However, I can tell you for every 10 I sell of the first one, I sell five of the second one and three of the third one. Yep. Now I will tell you my friend who is a magazine editor for 40 years and his life has been writing. In fact, he's the basis of the character of the third book because he taught me, right? When we were in high school and college together, we'd talk about writing. He says, your third book. He goes, your first and second are great. He goes, but your third is the best one. I go, yeah, but nobody's getting to it because they have to read the first and second to get to it. And that's what made me do the fourth one. Okay. I said, I want this could be the best of them all. I said, but if you have to read three books to get to it, yeah, a lot of people will, but a lot of people won't. So they don't have to. They absolutely right. We don't have to read. So I, and that was like the hardest task of me writing. The third book was to write it in second person. And the hardest part of the fourth book was the female perspective, but it was also writing a book that people who read the first three could enjoy and people who hadn't read any of them could enjoy. That was the hardest part. Not, not easy. Well, I was about to ask you, who should we be buying this book for? So now we know that it could be someone who read your trilogy or someone yes. who didn't read your trilogy. But right. aside from that, describe who I should be thinking about. If I were if I were in a bookstore shopping for uh, my gift list, who should I be thinking about for this book? I will honestly tell you that because Facebook gives me statistics, I have sold books in, on five continents and 48 states. Um, I try to look at the demographics and all of my books, 
though I have had people write great reviews, they're 20-year-olds and and 30-year-olds. They tend to be people <clears throat> who, they like. there are people who like it just for the plot, all four of the books. There are people who like it just for the plot. However, there are people who do the nostalgia. So it's, you know, people over 50, that they don't just enjoy the book. It's their life and they're, they they're you know talking about it they they'll, they'll put in their comments on Facebook oh yes and that reminds me of when I did this and and so on and we're talking about 1300 people have have shared it and they talk about it. it's like we're a little club of people my wife believes and i i, I know i'm going to say this and it's, it could hurt me but my wife believes this is more of a woman's book okay um I once did a book club with 15 women and they all enjoyed it. But one woman turned around and says, but I kept getting the feeling I was reading a man's book. Now the other 14 said, what? Because it is the story of Johnny and Maria to start with. It's the story of Johnny and the band. It's the story of other people that age. They just felt it, it might've skewed a little toward and, you know, a lot of women said, no, no, because that just I remember all that happening and so on. My wife said this book really does. A, a lot of women would like it. Okay. Um, well, uh, that that which, doesn't necessarily like knock out half of the population, but right. it, does, it fine tunes, which is good. Right. Because um, though my wife said, you know, oh, you, you did do it in in a woman's style and she is telling the story it really is an adventure i mean like i said i mean when she's down in the blues clubs and and she's talking to the mississippi blues black players who've come up from mississippi and she's enjoying the music and of course it's very disconnected because here she is a 19 year old white girl and she's speaking to you know these 70 80 year old black blues players but she's getting along with them it's an adventure and 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 um i will say that it it also is when she goes to chicago and again i was i was using my experiences in all the ballparks she gets a job working in wrigley field and wrigley field uh, for those who've never been there their urinals are 100 years old so what they have is a 20-foot-long basin. And I never forgot that when I went there. So I put that in that it was off-season. She goes, thank God it was off-season. But we were cleaning these things. But she makes friends with a group of two brothers from Minnesota, uh, a character who's who's biracial. He's, he's Lakota Indian and Black. And another girl who's from Chicago. And this group of five goes to the clubs and because they all work at Wrigley field, they call themselves the Wrigley rockers because they go to music places all over the place. And that's their life. Well, this, these, this group of five has a lot of interaction and they, they end up doing a lot of things in Chicago. Then they end up going to the Midwest and they end up going to Yellowstone and, and then to San Francisco and then to Seattle. And it's 1968. So again, I'm drawing on, what was going on in 1968. Now, I remember exactly, but most people won't. But a lot of things happened in 1968 in the places where they were. 
and they find themselves intertwined with history. Well, um, that's another group then. So it's it's people who identify with the error. It's people who love to travel because you've got yes. slices of, of America. It's people who love history, whether or not they were alive in those days or just really want to be able to look back in a way that it's you're reading about people and not just out of a history book. Well, you know, um, in the, especially in the third book, Brotherhood of Forever, I really should say the titles every now and then, Band of the Wind and, and Sound of Redemption, the first two, and the Brotherhood of Forever, the back of that book says, it's, it's, it's seen through the eyes of, of a group of about 10 people who experienced 50 years of history. Mm. So the plot is intertwining but it's happening through Woodstock, through Vietnam, through the moon landing, through 9-11. These same 10 characters are interacting right. and they're interacting it, it, without reading the book. It, it may not. They're interacting, but they're all reacting to the tapes they hear. Mm. Every time they hear the tape, it separately each of them it does something to one one um woman it gives her the nerve to stand up to her ex-boyfriend uh to one to one person it gives him the nerve um to uh, make himself stronger and he eventually builds himself up and becomes a policeman um in the first two book in the first book there's a character called Braco who's physically abused and he's a member of the band and the band knows it and they know he's abused all the time and he comes to the final time they play bleeding from his face because his father has beaten him but he wasn't missing this because if they're successful he's leaving his father when he turns 18 well he does everything right in life he i mean he's in the middle of and again the the first two books are in the backdrop of racial tension in Southeast Queens. And so it's a lot of interaction and fighting, but Bracco in one instance, not only saves a white kid, but then saves the black kid. When white kids come to for revenge, he stands up to both of them. The character that he saves doesn't know anything except this character's name is Bracco and he never sees him again, but, Two years later, he's he's built, he's grown up bigger, and he says, well, he's ruled by the one thing is, what would Bracco do? And so when he becomes a policeman and he has a chance to avoid a gang that's beating up a lot of people, he goes, no, what would Bracco do? But see, now he eventually hears the tape of Bracco speaking, and he goes, what would Bracco do? Wow. So... Well, you're you're an incredible commercial for all of your books. Um, I know uh, trying to push your newest book here, but wow, we're pushing all the books here. Um, uh, you know, yes, it is, and, hard not and to, I get that. <laughs> and again, I purposely made this so that um, if people didn't want to read the other three, they could just go right. This could come out, and people not even know I had three other books. But we hope now, that they do. We hope that they yes. Well, I will say, though, when I wrote the first book, like, and again, I, I get a lot of feedback from Facebook where I put the ads. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and a lot of people like talk to me like I'm their buddy because I answer them when they say, I really like the book. I go, oh, thank you. And, you know, I go right, right on Facebook and I go, oh, thank you. Um, and I, they made a point because somebody says, 
oh, do I have to read all three? No, I specifically wrote the first book. First book ends. If you never pick up the second, you don't, you you know, like it isn't like to be continued. No, the first book ends and it's done. And if that's all you read, that's all you read. Because I, in fact, I didn't even mention for a long time that a second book was coming because I didn't want people to say, oh, it's going to stop in the middle of the story. It doesn't stop in the middle of the story. It ends its story. Gotcha. Then you get to the second book. The story ends. There didn't have to be any other book written. Mm-hmm. So you could read the first and the second and not read the third. And then you could read the third. The only thing I would say is you can't start at the second or start at the third. <laughs> But the idea was that you could pick up just the first. Gotcha. And that followed through to this one that I said, it's got to be that it, it was proving too, too, too much to be true that some people weren't getting to the third. Right, right. And my close friends who've read it said, third is our favorite, you know? Um, and, and it's it's actually the longest of them all. I mean, it's in pages. It is the longest, but it's a my, my one friend again, who's an editor of a magazine, said you just mastered the the art of coincidences. How these people all intertwined through fifty years. Some of them we didn't know each other, run into each other. Awesome. Well, which which will be a little joke for people who have read the three books. I will make little references to characters who don't appear in this book, but were in the other books, but it isn't a reference where they meet them or anything. I'll just go, Oh yeah. And I saw a sign that said so-and-so. Well, if you read the other book, you know, that sign was. Right, right, right. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, let's hope that uh, some of our viewers read this fourth book. Yes. It can be a standalone, but if you really, really like it, you're not at the end because there's more. You can go back and slut over. <laughs> there's more Bill Roston to read, but find the other side of the wind. Um, uh, it's available uh, every place, but also if you want to see all of the books, WilliamJohnRostron.com. And uh, I don't know if this one's even on the website yet. Well, we better make sure it is then for all these people. In fact, you're showing pictures. <laughs> I have the book. Now, how do I have the book? Well, I just pasted a picture on one of my other books. Oh, <laughs> that's a secret we won't tell people. Because <laughs> it only came out 12 hours ago, you exactly. know. I do we know. Book yet, so there we go. I, I mean, this is current. We're it's really current, current here. But, well, maybe some of our viewers will get it even before you get it. And let's so. not forget to mention the other book, Flamingo Under the Carousel. Yes. Well, that's why I said they should go to the website because they can right. see there because and and that i actually owe you for um when i finish you writing what glad to keep you writing when i when i finish the first three books i go what am i gonna do and then there was one of the um red penguin collection yeah written a short i've I've written short stories in fact i got an award from nelson demille in 1999 but that's the last time i wrote a short story um I said, oh, let me write one. And I wrote it and it got put in. I go, hey, I like this. Well, I now have written 37 short stories. And, you know, five of them got Writer's Digest Awards this oh. year. And um, and I put them all, I put the first 25 in in the short story book, which is called The Flamingo Under the Carousel. 
And there's an explanation for that title, Absolutely. which Absolutely. I give right away because I can't stand when authors make a an unusual title and they don't tell you ever. So first thing I did was say, here's why it's called Flamingo Under a Carousel. But to, to be honest, as a writer, I have found that um, people are not as interested in short stories as they are in novels. Maybe there are people, but I don't know as many. And But the people who like it say, oh, I could pick it up and read one story and, and that's it. And Yes, people who like short stories don't want to read novels. They have very short attention spans. Right. And, and it's funny because I uh, there's a place in the book where I say they were all written at separate times. So you can go to the fifth one, go right, over to the right. first one. It, my, my sister is reading and she goes, I literally did that just because you said to do it. And she said, and then I forgot which ones I read and which ones I didn't so read. You better go in order. <laughs> right. So, wait, wait, wait. But the other thing about the short story book that I, I'm very proud of, though, I, I don't know if it's catching on or anything, but every single story, I wrote a page introduction of, because all my stories, even my short stories are biographical fiction. And I wrote, well, what made this story happen? Mm-hmm. And, and I go through a, yeah, some of them, it's one paragraph, some of it's two or three paragraphs, but it says, well, this is where this story came from. I mean, the prompt might have been um, Red Penguins. Right. right. Um, but but, but I, how I handle it goes, and I, sometimes I'd say, I got nothing. And then in the middle yeah. of the night, I'd wake up and I'd go, oh, yeah, when that happened, I could tell this story. Like, for example, the the one that just came out with Red Penguins. I'll give you a plug. <laughs> the, the one that came out with um, for Red Penguin, the London book. Mm. Now, I've never been to London. My wife and I have had reservations to go to London four different times. And every time something happened, either physically to us or to a family member or something. And we have never gotten there, which is interesting because I am English and I'm half English and half Italian. So we went to Italy and we saw all of Italy and I saw my heritage there. And I said, yeah, now we'll go to England. We'll see that. We just never got there. So when the story for London came up, I said, well, I've never been to London. I can't write anything. And the next day I thought of the story that's in the book um, about, because I may never have gone to London, but I did run six marathons. So I tied the story into the fact, I don't know how many people know it, but marathons are 26.2 miles. And the reason they are 0.62 miles, because the Queen of England wanted her grandchildren to see the start of the race. So they moved it back to tenths of a mile to Windsor Castle. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got the idea for that story. There we go. And then always, always, like I said before, people wonder, I don't know what to write about. And you're showing me there's always something to write about. And and again, I don't even know if it'll be in the Paris one, but for the Paris one, I said, I've never been to Paris and I've never really wanted to go to Paris. I'm probably offending people. I said, but let me get to England first. But anyway, um, I said, what can I write about in Paris? Well, in Paris um, is where uh, Jim Morrison is buried. Oh, yes, 
That's right. And I wrote a fictional story about his last night in Paris because he died in a Paris hotel. And his he is the most popular, he's the most popular um, attraction in Pierre Lecache Cemetery. And Oscar Wilde is buried there and Moliere. And so, but everybody goes to see Jim Morrison. So I wrote this story about his last night in Paris before. Now, I don't, I don't even know if it'll be in the Paris book, again, again, but that's all I knew about Paris. There's and then, nothing to write about. Right. And then, and then in Rome, Rome, I did go to. Okay. And, <laughs> so a true life story there. A true, this is a true life story. This actually is. Um, in par in in Rome, our last night of seventeen days there, we they, the tour guide lets us go out on our own, and we walk into Rome, and we get lost. We can't find our way back to the hotel, so we're walking, like we're walking like three blocks. And me being the male, I'm, my wife's going, "Why don't we ask someone?" And I go, "No, no, I know the way. I know the way." Eventually, we start asking people, but everybody we ask goes, "No cabish," which you know, as Italian as I don't understand what you're saying because I only speak Italian. So we do this for a good 45 minutes. And finally, we exhaust. So we sit on a bench. Now, can't tell with the glasses and the hat, but that's some medical things. But I'm very Italian looking. And my wife is full-blooded Italian. So we're sitting on the bench and this young couple comes up and go, excuse me, do you speak English? We're from America. <laughs> And we're lost and we're hoping you can tell us. I go, well, the good news is I speak English. The bad news is I'm lost too. (laughs) But before I said that to him, when they said it, the first thing I said was no (laughs) kabish. And as they started to walk away, I said, no, no, no. Let me tell you. Four Americans lost in a row. That'll be coming out soon, folks. (laughs) I love that. Well, Bill, always a pleasure. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Let me remind our viewers where they can find not just your newest release, The Other Side of the Wind, but all of your books. Because whether you like novels, a trilogy, or short stories, there is something that you're going to enjoy uh, because you're definitely going to enjoy meeting and reading Bill Rostrum. So always a pleasure. These books and hopefully a lot more. And Thank you. And for you and for all of our viewers, I'll say happy travels, because with a map like that, I'm sure there's a trip coming up somewhere. I just hope you can. January 14th, Key West. But yeah, (laughs) hopefully you'll keep on writing there. Yes. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me.